May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here this morning. I want to talk this morning about this gospel reading from uh, John chapter 1. The big idea is because Jesus is the Savior that everyone needs, friends bring friends to him. Come and see. Go and tell. And also, I added a little at the end here. Also, don't give up on people. We'll see that with Jesus and Peter. So come and see, go and tell, don't give up on people. Uh, most scholars believe that happens uh, after Jesus uh, has been in the desert. So he's baptized, the heavens open, the dove descends, the voice speaks, off he goes, 40 days in the desert. Now he's really beginning his, his ministry. Um, and the leaders, Andrew and, and uh, John, people believe this is the author of the gospel in this story. Um, talking with John the Baptist, uh, John as he comes by, and then today we have this interaction between Jesus and Andrew and John. So John sends his disciples to Christ. It was never John's purpose to build up this huge ministry. Once the Messiah came, once the Christ came, John knew his time was getting short. He must increase, I must decrease. And so he was sending people to Jesus. He said, I'm not the one you're looking for. You need to be over there with him. His humility was amazing. He did not have pride, and he wasn't afraid. As I read that and was thinking about it, I think of some clergy in some churches today that are afraid to have their people participate in anything outside of their own church. And I think it's a shame because the church today never needs to be working together as the body of Christ to deal with what's coming our way, not just these little isolated silos, but really coming together in a meaningful, powerful way with one voice. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what John the Baptist was all about, sending people to Jesus. It says, Behold the Lamb of God, Christ fulfills that prophecy of the Passover Lamb, um, back in, in Exodus, substitutionary atonement. Let me get this out here somewhere. I can do it. Yay. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We say that we say that in the creed. Behold the Lamb of God, or the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And John is saying, He's the one. He's the one. So they follow Jesus, they leave John, and Jesus turns. 
He doesn't say, who are you looking for? He says, what are you looking for? Are you looking for someone maybe to overthrow the Romans and restore the kingdom to the Israelites? If so, you're looking for a zealot, and it's not me. Are you looking for someone who wants to debate about the law all day long with no resolution? If so, you're looking for a Pharisee. That would not be me. Are you looking for someone who wants to sidle up to the Romans and feather your own nest? In that case, that would be the Herodians. That would not be me. But if you're looking for someone to uh, bring you closer to God, that would be me. So what are you looking for today? What are you looking for in your life? What am I looking for in my life? If you're looking for someone who will make you your life easier, Jesus isn't for you. If you're looking for someone who will solve all your problems, Jesus isn't for you. If you're looking for someone who will make you feel better about yourself, meaning I'm okay, Jesus really isn't for you either. If you're looking for a little religion on Sunday so that you can feel better about the way you live Monday through Saturday, then Jesus really isn't for you. But if you're looking for someone who will love you unconditionally, Jesus is for you. If you're looking for someone who can save your soul, give you eternal life, and provide you a home in heaven, then Jesus is for you. If you're looking for someone who can forgive your sins and change your life, then Jesus is just who you're looking for. They call him rabbi, master, teacher. It's a title of honor. Where are you staying? They didn't want a short interaction, a short conversation. They wanted to linger with Jesus. They wanted to be with him for a while. They wanted to learn from him. I guess the saying is, what about you and me? Do we spend time with God? What does our daily walk look like? How do we start our day? Is God part of that? Is he somewhere in the middle of the day, at night? How, is that, how does that work? Time with God. Important concept. Somebody said love is spelled T-I-M-E, and it applies to the people well as it applies to God. And then he says, come and see. That was my Curcio theme in May of 1982. The rabbi would say, do you want to know the answer? Come and see, and we can think about it together. Jesus invites us to come and spend time with him. And the hope is that we take him up on that invitation. It says it was about the 10th the hour. That would be 4 p.m., 1600, military time, 4 p.m., and it's interesting that he says it's 4 o'clock. When this happened, it was 4 in the afternoon. He remembers it. This is decades before. He writes this gospel when he's older, and now he's just a real young guy. But he remembers the time. It was so meaningful to him. Okay? Like, for example, if you remember where you were on 9-11, stand If you remember where you were when the Challenger went down, remain standing. If you remember where you were when Kennedy got shot, remain standing. 1963. If you remember where you were when Pearl Harbor was attacked, 
remain standing. If you remember where you were when Lincoln was assassinated, remain standing. Just checking. But it is, it's interesting, you know, I, when 9-11 when when happened, I was at a staff over at Grace Tuesday morning. And a woman came in and said something. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, that was 9-11. Uh, when the Challenger hit, I was at the Naval Academy on staff getting ready to go to work, and I was watching it on a TV in my kitchen. I was a sophomore in high school when Kennedy got assassinated. I was standing at my locker. I remember what I was wearing. The girl came up and told me what happened. You remember these things. He remembers this specifically because it was so meaningful to him. So Andrew first goes and he finds his brother Peter. He says, we found the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. John is reading to, uh, writing to a, a Greek Jewish audience. So every now and then he'll, he'll use different words for the same thing. Um, Messiah in Hebrew is, is Christos, Christ in Greek. They found the Messiah, Christ, the anointed one. And Andrew is concerned, he's confident, he's committed, and actually he's one of the first disciples. But he's not in the inner circle. It's interesting. Into the character and nature of, of Andrew. When Jesus goes to heal, uh, bring, uh, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, he brings Peter, James, and John, not Andrew. When he goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, he's going to be with Moses and Elijah. He brings Peter, James, and John, but not Andrew. When he goes further into the Garden of the Gethsemane the night before he's crucified, he brings Peter, James, and John, but not Andrew. But whenever we encounter Andrew in the Gospels, he's doing the same thing. We see him three times. He's bringing his brother Peter to Jesus. He's bringing a little boy with five loaves and two fish to Jesus. And he's bringing the Greeks who are looking to Jesus for Jesus. He brings them to Jesus. And he's fine with that. He never says to Peter, you do remember the family guy that introduced you to Jesus, aren't you? I mean, I'm the one. Are you forgetting this? What about me? It was none of that. Because that wasn't important to him. It wasn't who he was. And I think God wants us to have that same kind of attitude. Somebody asked Leonard, somebody asked Leonard Bernstein, what's the most difficult position to fill in the orchestra? He said, second fiddle. Nobody wants to be second fiddle. They want to be first chair, but not second fiddle. Andrew was the perennial second fiddle. Mm. So Andrew brings people to Jesus. And do we bring people to Jesus? Is there something about me, my life, the way I conduct myself that might attract people or let people know who I am? I think of Mary Beth Affelt when Kathy at the bottom had fallen out of her world because everybody she loved was hurt. Here's this neighbor who just radiated Christ. Kathy went to her, whatever you have, I don't know what you have, but whatever it is, I want it. And she shared the gospel. Is there something about me? I, I, you know, something as simple as somebody's going through a difficult, can we pray about that? Say to somebody, can we pray about would be great, please. That identifies you as a person of prayer. And maybe one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And you become like 
Andrew leading them to Christ. So Jesus looks at Peter, says it's an intense gaze. He says, you will be called Peter, the rock. I said, really? With your track record? Seriously? Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, son of man, is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the powers of death shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. On the third day be raised. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a maid came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean, but he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went, out, went out, he went on to the porch, another maid saw him and said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the crowd cock crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away and went, wept bitterly. But Jesus never wrote him off. Do we act that way? There are times in my life when I disappoint God. I don't think or say or do what he wants me to do or what would be right for me to do. And instead of putting a smile on his face, as I say, I put a tear in his eye. But he never turns his back on me and he never throws me away. He still loves me. How do we operate with people in our lives? And the angel said to them, do not be amazed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. I love that. Tell the disciples and 
Peter. Don't write people off. I think very often we have two lists. We have lists of people that can do no wrong, and we have lists of people that can do no right. I got news for you. The people on the list that can do no wrong can do wrong. And the list on people that can do no right can do something right. Now, sometimes there are toxic people that we shouldn't have anything to do with. I get it. It's rare. But most of the time, something is said or done. There's an attitude, and we don't want anything to do with them. We kind of push them off to the side. And I'm glad God doesn't do that with me. Jesus didn't do it with Peter, and we shouldn't do it with other people as well. Jesus not only sees what a person is, he sees what, what we can become. He not only sees the actualities, he sees the possibilities. William Barclay, a wonderful writer, says, but the great thing about this story is that it tells us how Jesus looks at men. He not only sees what a man is, he also sees what a man can become. He, not, he sees not only the actualities in a man, he also sees the possibilities. Jesus looked at Peter and saw in him not only a Galilean fisherman, but one who had it in him to become the rock on which his church would be built. Jesus sees us not only as we are, but as we can be. And he says, give your life to me, and I will make you what you have it in you to be. Now, it's interesting to me, this was written in the 1950s. Tells us how Jesus looks at men. He does not only see what a man is, he sees what a man can become, meaning all humanity. If I read that to a younger audience today, they would be offended. They would be offended. The intention is not to offend, but it's the way the world is now working. This is what we're against. And finally, come and see. Jesus is still inviting people to consider him. We're living in a world where people are seeking answers. They're looking for direction, fulfillment, and hope. If you're among that number and you're looking for a more, uh, more from life, you need to come to know that his invitation to come and see still stands. You've tried everything else and nothing has scratched the itch with your soul. Come, Jesus. You've tried church and it didn't work. Come to Jesus. You've tried sin, alcohol, drugs. Whoops. And every worldly thing you can imagine. But nothing has worked. Come to Jesus. You need help and you can't seem to find it anywhere. Come to Jesus. Maybe you've tried Jesus in the past and he didn't work. The problem was not you or me. This time, don't just try him. Surrender to him totally and let him save you and take control of your life. Come to Jesus. Come and see and go and tell. Yeah. 
Come and see. Come to Jesus. Amen.